So, Lord, we just cancel out any kind of demonic thinking that may have been upon us, Lord, that really tries to attach itself to us, Lord. And, Lord, we choose today to believe what the Word of God says. Amen. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. You guys okay? Won't you open your Bible to Isaiah 60? Everybody knows what's in Isaiah 60, correct? Isaiah 61 through 3. Everybody knows what that is. You don't know your Bible very well, Donna. <laughs> Isaiah 60, verse 1. says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Amen. Everybody should say amen to that. The glory of the Lord. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Thank you, Lord. Well, I want to just uh, read that and uh, remind you uh, by way of remembrance what I shared last week, because I really felt like it was the Lord, is that in the last days, every time the la Jesus mentions the last days in the Bible, he has a common thing that he says pretty much is that is something like watch out, wake up, meaning that the darkness that's upon the world and that's in the world uh, has a tendency, just like natural darkness has uh, for us naturally, to make us sleepy. Uh, so there's a darkness in, in the world that's increasing, and it tends to make people sleepy and drowsy. Um, and, you know, we talked about how the cares of this life weigh people down and wear people out and to the point of just exhaustion, and they, they go to sleep spiritually. And that's what we see happening in the church today is people are going to sleep spiritually in the church. All over, the, all over this nation, you see it. Uh, that there's a sleepiness on the people of God. And I believe uh, that's part of the demonic plan. In fact, I found a scripture this week, Daniel 7, 25. It's talking about the devil. This is a devil's strategy for us. It says, He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. I looked, out that, looked up that word, wear out, and it means to wear away, to wear out, to harass constantly. And that's really the devil's strategy against the people of God, for us to be harassed constantly uh, and just be wore down to exhaust us. And if you remember correctly, last week I talked to you about 1 Thessalonians 5 being the chapter in the New Testament which directly addresses this whole issue of dealing with spiritual darkness that's upon the earth. And you know, it's, it's like you know, Hebrews 11 is the, is the chapter in the Bible on faith that everybody would think about when you think about faith, you'd always want to look at Hebrews 11 or 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on the love. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5 is the chapter in the Bible that we need to go to in this time we're living in to get answers to battle the spiritual darkness that is upon us and that's coming upon us and that wants to, wants to put us to sleep, that wants to wear us down and, and take us out of the fight. Don't let it. That's right. Um... But Satan also, I believe, has a strategy um, when it comes to not only the world and the darkness in the world comes, but there's a strategy that he has that he brings against the people of God uh, in terms of the people of God serving God. 
Okay, there's also a clear strategy from Satan on that. And that strategy is also, just, just like it is in the world, he wants to wear the people of God out. Uh, you hear a lot of Christians talking about being burned out about in their service to God. The very thing that's meant in our life to bring the greatest joy and the greatest fulfillment to us, for many of us, I think probably for all of us at one time or another, we feel burned out about it. Anybody had that experience? It's just a strategy of the devil to burn you out in your service to God. And he has a, he has a, a directed attack against the people of God where we would just feel wore down from actually serving God. And, and the actual thing that God has placed you on this earth for, the thing that God has created you for, there's a strategy to turn that thing against you and cause you to become so frustrated and so beat down by it that you, you walk away from it. It's a real strategy from the devil. And, and this is what the world tells you when you talk about burnout. The world tells you you need to change your lifestyle, quit your job, move away, make some external adjustment in your life. That's, that's the wisdom of the world when, when the world talks about burnout. It talks about making an external adjustment in your life to fix burnout. But I'm here to tell you today, that is not what the Word of God teaches us about how to deal with our lives when we find ourselves like that. That's not the answer. In fact, that's, that's, if you do that, you're, you're, you're locking into the world's ways. Now, first, I want you to, I want to read a scripture over in 2 Timothy. Turn to 2 Timothy. And, and this message, what I want to give you is, is connected, is tied to the other one, and, and the fact that last week we were talking about the darkness of the world. This week we're talking about our own, the thing that happens in us when we do become burned out. But 2 Timothy chapter 1 I'm going to read verse 13 and 14. This is what the Bible says to do clearly to, to address this feeling of burnout, to address this feeling of wanting to quit, to address this feeling of wanting to give up. Anybody ever have those feelings? I have them lots myself. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Well, the first thing, that's what Paul's telling Timothy, is the Word of God, is to hold on to the, what the Word of God says in your life. In other words, don't buy into what the world tells you. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into this, make some external adjustment in your life and it's going to fix the issue in you. It's not. He says, hold fast to the, to the pattern of sound words, which is the Word of God. That good thing, verse 14, which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Keep that good thing. Whatever it is, whatever deposit that God has placed in your life, Paul is saying, first, by the Word of God. Second, by the power of the Spirit, you keep that thing. You hang on to that thing. You don't let that thing go. You don't give up on that thing. Amen? Now, here's what, here's, here's what I've learned. Okay, practically speaking, here I feel like Matthew 25 has lots of keys, and for some reason God always uses Matthew 25 in my life to talk to me a lot. It's called, you know, it's the one parable that I could that I know better than any other parable for some. And I, it's not my favorite parable by any stretch of the imagination, but it's one that it seemed like over my life that God has spoken to me over and over and over is the parable of the talents. That there is 
I believe in, in Matthew 25, there is clear direction from God how to hold fast, how to practically live that, how to overcome this feeling of burnout, how to overcome this feeling of when everything seems to be working against you, when you just want to give up and quit. Matthew 25, I think, has keys in it to, tell, to keep, help us keep going on. So really, what I want to do is give you some of those sound words from the Scripture, how to hold on to the very precious thing that God's placed in your life. Amen? So turn over to Matthew 25, and let me just read a few things. And it will help you, because I have put this into practice. This is not a theoretical message. This is a real message that's been somewhat lived out in my life. Although I will say this, I got a lot, I need to grow in this. But Matthew 20, everybody knows what the parable of the talents is, right? It says in verse 14, Matthew 25, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Delivered his goods to them. Okay, that's the first thing. First thing, I'm, you know, I've listed these things. I've got four things out here I just want to tell you this, this morning. First thing, it says he delivered his goods to, to them. And, and really what this is speaking of, what you've got, the first thing you've got to do in your life, when you get in, that, when you get in trouble and start feeling burnt out and start feeling wore out, is you first thing you've got to do is you've got to get God's perspective on your life. You've got to get God's perspective. You've got to ask yourself, why am I doing this? That's the question you had to ask yourself. Why am I doing this? Because, see, God has given all of us assignments in life. Every one of us, God's placed an assignment. He's placed talents, which means he's given us an assignment to do. And what we had to do is ask ourselves, why are we doing that? Because when we lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing, you lose the sense of the meaning of life. You see what I'm saying? When you lose sight of why you're doing, the motivation in your heart of why you're doing what you're doing, you really lose the sense of the meaning of life. And life becomes a matter of going through the motions. Every day you're going through the motions, and every day, the next day has a little less meaning than the previous day. And before long, you got down the road, and life has no meaning to you. There's emptiness in what you're doing. I don't care if it's the most spiritual thing in the world, there's emptiness in it. Because you've lost the very source of why you're doing it. And the normal, everyday pressures of life start overcoming you. The normal resistance that you're going to find in doing anything, those things start overcoming you and you start feeling just flat, worn out, and you feel like there's no, no chance for renewal. There's no hope for renewal. See, a lot of people in their minds, this is what they do. Whatever they do, they do it for a reason. Some people do it, you know, they do it for money. They, or they do it for, for, for prestige or prominence or power. But those are all real hollow reasons to do anything. Not that we don't need money. You know, because we need money to live on, but ultimately it's an it's a empty victory. There's people making, you know, massive six-figure incomes that are dead on the inside. I'm talking about Christian men and women that have no life in them. There's no meaning in what they're doing, and they want to get out of it and do something else with their life. That's why you see people who are willing to, to give up excellent careers to go get into the ministry because they have no, they're, what they're doing, they don't really have a sense. There's no, what in, why am I doing this? There's no life in this for me. This doesn't feed me. This doesn't do anything for me. And the same thing goes for people who love power and who love prominence. You may have power or you may have prominence for something you've done, but that is a very fleeting thing because the next day you've got to come up with something else to beat the day before, to beat the day before. 
to beat the day before. And the Lord himself can make the, even the most insignificant thing, the most insignificant task, the most insignificant job, he can give us life through those things because he is the one who gives meaning to things. He delivered the goods. He gave it. So that's the first thing we've got. When you get in that state, you've got to go back, why am I doing this, Lord? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because you gave it to me to do? Or am I doing it because I wanted to make myself look good? Or I wanted to make a lot of money? Or I wanted to do this? Or I wanted to do that? And you see, when we get into those other things, why we're doing it, there's sure death coming to you. There's sure life. You're going to lose the meaning of it. So that's the first thing you've got to do, is you've got to get the meaning back into your life. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh, yeah, God told me to do this. Oh, yeah, I did this because God spoke to me. Oh, yeah, I did this because God put a desire in me to do this. And he was, it was real clear to me back there. But now it just seems to be lost. It's because you got away from that reason you're doing it. Amen? So you've got to get back to that. That's the first thing. Everybody with me? Second thing. Verse 15. It says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability... And immediately he went away, or he went on a journey. And uh, this, this is sort of a sideline about he went on a journey. That is the way the Lord does it, okay? This is the way God works. Hey, I want you to do this. Yes, Lord, and you feel the Lord's presence. You feel excited. But the next thing you know, God's nowhere to be found. He's gone somewhere and sort of left it with you. Left it with you to wrestle with. Left it with you to figure it out. You know, and it's almost like that. You think, good gosh, you give me this to do, Lord, but you didn't give me a manual. You didn't give me anything. And, you know, he really does say, yeah, I did give you. I gave you the Bible, dummy. You know, read the Bible. I gave you the Holy Spirit. Talk to him about it. But he does, there is that sense of things that God puts in our life to do where he says, well, I've called you to do so and so. And he, it's like he said, and you believe it and you say yes to it and he walks off from you. And just sort of leaves it with you. And you can and you can be assured of this one thing. If that has happened to you, I can tell you that most likely was God that did speak that to you. The fact that he left you with it and he's gone and you don't have any answer and you're wondering what you're supposed to do next. Because in that is where we find God because we had to start searching for God. We had to start looking for God. And God is more more interested in us, our relation, our personal relationship with him than he is anything else. He wants us to be close to him. He loves us. He desires us to be close to him. So he does these things to us so we'll go after him and dig and, and you know, grasp at him and say, God, I need you. You know, you, I feel like this was you, but man, what happened to you? You know, what kind of deal is this? This is, this is the way it really is. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he... This is crazy what he did, if you think about it. He, he got everybody stirred up so bad that they killed him. You know, like he made people so mad that they lied and they had him murdered. Okay? And here you are, one of the twelve disciples. He's got everybody all irritated and mad, and now he's gone. And left you to deal with those mad, irritated people, and you're scared to death. That's really, I mean, if you were back in that day, that's, that's the way I felt. But wait a minute now. Well, you know, you did. You know, you said all this stuff, and now, heck, they done killed your hide and left us here to deal with these guys. They're going to get us next. Where's, where are you, God? You know, and that is really God's way with us. That's not really the point to keep, keep you from overcoming burnout, but it's just the way he it is. It's one of the ways of God that I've found out about. 
Uh, but this, this little phrase, uh, he gave each according to his own ability. You say, and this is what happened. We've got we to gotta ask ourselves this question. Did God give me this to do? That's a real important question. Did God give me this to do? We have to ask ourselves, is this really from God? Um, because we fail at a lot of things that we go after in life because God never gave them, to, gave them to us to do in the first place. They weren't from God. And if you're pursuing things that are really not from the Lord, you are not going to have the grace of God to do those things. And so what happens is this. You get in your life, you have these goals that you're trying to fulfill, and you're going after these goals, and you're pursuing these things, and you're believing that they are God for some, some reason or another, and none of those goals ever happen. None of those things ever happen in your life. And you get frustrated because they don't happen. You get discouraged because they don't happen. So you create some more goals that weren't from God. And before you know it, you've created a whole other level of things that you've went after that really never were God in the first place. And you're all frustrated and all, all messed up. And you'll burn out. You'll burn out. You'll get frustrated with God eventually, and you will give up, and you will totally quit. So you had to stop and ask yourself, is this really the Lord? Did He really give me this? Or was it just something I saw that I really wanted, but God never really spoke it to in my life? See, some people really want stuff badly, and God never really wants you to have it. And so you go after it, and it doesn't work, you come up with something else, you go after that, and it doesn't work. And you spend a lifetime doing that. And one day you're an old, bitter, hard-headed, old, mean Christian, snapping at everybody and biting and stepping on, stepping on people. Now, this is really the truth. As we follow the Lord, the Lord does change our assignments in life. That's the truth. He does change our assignments in life as we follow the Lord. And many times, this is the thing about it, many times those assignments change come at a time when maybe you've already fulfilled some things, that God has given you to do. Very, you know, that's a very uh, vulnerable time for Christians. You've already fulfilled some goals. You've already fulfilled some things that you believe were from God, like you got married, or you had a baby, or you graduated from high school, you raised your kids up, and they're all going out of the house, you know, and you fulfilled things that you wanted to do, but now you're looking down the road of your life and you don't see anything. You hear what I'm saying? You know, a lot of parents really... Start, they get messed up at that time. You start wanting to do things different that God hasn't given you. So you've got to be really careful at those critical points in your life where maybe you've come to a place of success or you've come to a place where you've completed some things and now you're looking at your life and you're saying, what next? You know, what am I supposed to do now? And this is what you've got to do now. You can't come up with something and ask God to bless it. Okay, you can't come up with something and ask God to bless it. What you've got to do then is this. And this works. You've got to get with the Lord, and you've got to sit down somewhere with God and be quiet and start talking to God about your life. And God, this is what God will do. Because the Bible says God has put place desires in man's hearts. And God will draw those desires out of you. He will begin to draw those things out of you and show you through your own prayer, through your own desires, through your own thing that really burns in you. He'll show you what's deep down in there. Stuff you may not even know that's in there. You understand what I'm saying to you? That's how you find out. You don't find out by coming up with a, 
You know, it's like trying to come up. I'm going to have this vision statement for my life. I'm going to develop one. I'm going to come up with a nice vision statement. I'm going to go read all these vision statements and put a bunch of them together. That's not the way that works. You know, God puts something in you, and then you figure out a way of communicating it. Well, God's put something in everybody. And what we have to do is we've got to discover it. It's in you. Discover it. The Bible says this. This is a scripture. It says, uh, find out what is acceptable, acceptable to the Lord. Okay? Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. That's Ephesians 5.10, or there's another version that says, find out what pleases the Lord. There is room in God to experiment. Okay? Step into something and sort of see, no, that ain't it. I sort of put my foot in that water, and I don't really think that's right. See, but many of us, we don't just stick a toe in there. We jump into a headlong. This is God, and we're going to do this. I know this is God. This is what I want to do. And it doesn't work. And then we're looking, we feel shameful. We feel like idiots. And see, it burns you out. It messes you up with the Lord. It really does. It's the enemy. It's the enemy working in our life. Amen? So that's the second one. Ask yourself, did God give me this to do? Ask yourself that. Be brutally honest. Be real brutally honest with yourself. All right, number three. Uh, verse, we're going to jump down to verse 19. It says, uh, you know, the, what? If, you don't, if you're not familiar with this, this parable, he gave one guy five talents, he gave one, two, and he gave one, one, and left, but then he came back. Because uh, he does come back and sort of checks up on things. You know, he's not like an absentee kind of boss. I mean, he comes in and checks the, the books and see what they look like. And uh, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. That's verse 19. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Uh, look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well, this is really an important one. Number three is major on the majors and minor on the minors. Now, this revelation, actually this whole message, Becky really spurred this message to me because the Lord spoke to her. This thing, faithful over a few things. Faithful. In other words, the best of us there is on this earth. The best of us. The most spiritual person, people, we know God has only given them a few things. In other words, God has not put massive... You know, this guy, the best one of these guys, got five talents. That's all he got, just five. And you know, we find people who have this long list of things that they're going to accomplish in their life. Probably is not the Lord. Okay, now I do believe this. I believe God has given everybody major purposes and minor purposes. Major purposes and minor purposes for us to fulfill. But what we've got to do is we've got to major on the majors. Because what happens is this. When we begin to involve ourselves in so many things that are not really God, we involve ourselves in these minor things, it really dilutes you. It dilutes you and, 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 and keeps you from being able to do what you really are called to do well. So you become mediocre. Who wants to be mediocre? I don't want to be mediocre at what I do. I want, whatever I do, I want to be really good at it. I want to work on it. I want to develop and grow in it, you know, and be very successful in what I do. That's a good desire. But when, we, when, you're, 
it's almost like that old thing, a jack of all trades, but master of none. Well, when it comes to the gifts and callings of God, God has not called us to be jack of all trades and master of none. He's called us to, to excel at some, at some things. If he's put a talent in you, that thing is meant to excel. Michael Jordan, as most of you know, was really a tremendously good basketball player, professional basketball. He was, you know, probably the best there ever was up until now. But he was not that great of a baseball player. He could not make it out of the minor leagues. And he had this desire to play baseball, but that was a minor in his life. If he would have, when he was pursuing his professional basketball career, would have focused and kept trying to do baseball, it would have only diluted his ability to play basketball and play it as well as he did. And see, a lot of us, this is what happens to us. We delude ourselves. We allow ourselves to be, to be sucked in to majoring on the minors. And what will ultimately happen to you, if you major on the minors, you will burn out. You will get frustrated. You will get disgusted because those are not the things that burn in your life. Um, you got that? Um, I think if you, do, if you focus on what God's called you to do on your majors, it's, there's a protection built into it in your life. It protects you. It keeps, you know, it keeps the enemy from being able to get, get at you and get into your life. That's number three. All right, number four, this is the last one. This is the best one, the best for last. Let's read verse 24 through 30. It says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Everybody say, I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. There you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming. I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents because the guy who had five, suddenly he had ten after the Lord met with him. See, that's the cool thing about it. God, he, he will give to you. Because this is what it says. For, for to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Okay? That's really important for Christians. You know, if you have something and you are really in the Lord, by the power of God's word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're really using that thing, God will add to it. But if you are not using it, it says clearly right there in red letters that Jesus will remove it from you. He will take it out of your life. He will take it out of your life. That's what it says. Somebody, I think there's another scripture that people have misapplied about, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Well, God never, re you know, he don't repent from giving them to you. It doesn't say he doesn't take the anointing, the ability for you to use those gifts in your life. And God will, as a minimum, take the power away from you to be able to do the things he's called you to do. Okay? He will take it away from you. That is a scary thought. The thing that you have been placed on this earth to do, the thing, the assignments that God has given you that you're going to stand before him one day and give an account to that you didn't use, that he had to take the power away from you to do them. That's, that scares me. Because everybody does know we will stand before the Lord and give an account for what we've done on this earth. And we will be judged. The Bible says, I'm talking about us Christians, we will be judged for what we've done on this earth with what God has given us. 
He's going to judge us. And it talks about, and the Scripture talks about tears at that time. It talks about loss at that time. It, it talks about all those things. And it really should provoke us to live with an eternal perspective. But that's really not what I wanted. To, I wanted to focus on this one, one little word right here, one little phrase. Um, it says, I was afraid. Everybody say that one more time. I was afraid. Fear, I think fear is at the root of a lot of our issues. Okay, I, I really do. I think it's a lot. Of, I like. I think a lot of people are burned out serving the God, serving the Lord. A lot of people are in failure serving the Lord. A lot of people are not serving God at all because of fear. Now, here's a couple of questions. Let me ask you: Do you have difficulty saying no to people? Ask yourself that question because if you do, you're going to always be doing stuff that God hasn't asked you to do because you're going to be saying yes to people to do stuff that God hadn't even talked to you about. It's a person. You hear what I'm saying to you? So if you are afraid to say no, let me tell you today, you are probably doing things in your life that God hasn't called you to do. You're compromising. Um, here's a good one. Do you compromise to avoid conflict? Do you compromise to avoid conflict? In other words, you know there's a situation, there's going to be conflict that's going to come up, and you back down, you make certain compromises, so you can just, you know, squirt around that issue and not have this conflict with this person or this situation. If you compromise to do that, guess what? You're going to have a mix in your life. You're going to have a mix of carnally-inspired things and godly-inspired things. Now, turn over to 2 Timothy. Are you all with me on that? I'm telling you, man, the church is full of scared people. And Paul really had to address this thing with Timothy. You know, I did a study last, sometime, last spring on Timothy's life and his relationship with Paul. And <clears throat> this is one of the things that really stuck out to me. In 2 Timothy 1, this is what it says, verse 6. Now, this is 2 Timothy, okay? Therefore, I remind, remind you, okay? Get the word remind. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Okay. When Paul said, I remind you, he was referring back to something he had said. Hold your place there. I want you to read this. Go back to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, not 2 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, in verse 14. And let's read that. He said this, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy.